you know, you reach these places in your life. The birth canal is the first one. Leaving home is the next one. There are many leavings. It's just that this is a big one. We will never be the same. The earth will never be the same. And we don't know where we're going. We really don't see light at the end of the tunnel. This is the surrender issue. It's going to get crazier. The craziness is intensifying and intensifying. And yet, you know, we possess creativity on a scale undreamed of. We can find a way out. There's no problem. We have the technologies, the money, the resources. We have everything we need except the will. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Boundaries Podcast, where facts are facts and opinions hurt people's feelings. Please remember to rate and review us on the Apple iTunes app, on Spotify, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, Amazon Music. Um, are we anywhere else? Uh, damn. You be saying it so smooth and fast. I can't. I never. I never pay attention to if you say SoundCloud or if you say Amazon. Uh, I guess Got Google is coming. Yeah, Google Google's Same. leaving from Google Play to a podcast app. You know, they're trying to catch up with everybody else. No boundaries is light years ahead. Of course, it's Jay. It's Willie F. Hey, it's 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 very nice to know that we are light years ahead. It's like no, no matter what anybody says, like I know that we be on shit, and the people if you really go back, you be like, hold on, like no boundaries said that. You fucking right, no boundaries said it. <laughs> you fucking right. Try to put you on but game, shit, man, but you didn't want to listen. Yeah, of course not. You know, and it's all good. It's all good. Like, I feel like it'll be good knowing that one day somebody's gonna go back in the archives and be like, "Oh yeah, them boys was on that shit." Like, they they kind of knew. You know what I'm saying? Not not like we're like always prophetic, but I, I I listen to some old episodes and I'd be like, "Damn, like we we saw that shit coming." A lot of people be seeing this shit coming. They just don't talk about it because they're so busy pandering and talking about nonsense. And kind of like you say, um, the world repeats itself. History repeats itself. So if you paid attention to the past, you can see what's happening in the future. Definitely. Uh, I like the way people try to play that everybody can change card. But (laughs) I I know it's a possibility, but I mean, a lot of people don't change. I think I think I think humanity always kind of trends one way, no matter what we no no matter how we look at it, we do we do trend a certain way all the time. Like the the trends and the patterns are there, and it's it, you can't deny it. Like you you literally can't deny it. It's just it's one little variable that's going to change. I always talk about you know we bitch about social media, but in the '60s and '50s it was TV. You know, we bitch about the music now, but back then it was only radio. And then and, and when video came, you know, parents were in an uproar. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit, it, 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 it comes in different forms, but the reaction is generally the same. And outrage is nothing new. Outrage has been here. And I, I think we're just witnessing the amplification of outrage on, on one of the higher levels. But that's only to us, like, 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds, no matter what we say, they're going to look at us like, yeah, like, we've we been there before. Like, that's just bottom line. We've been there before, you know. You can't ever discount the fact that there has been a population boom. So, obviously, things are going to be magnified. There's more people. <laughs> like, But at the end of the day, the the impact is the same. The impact is the same, meaning millions of people feel it. Millions of people feel what's going on. Millions of people felt what was going on in the 30s, in the 70s, in the 1850s. Shit has always happened. It's just that a lot of us are just so egotistical and arrogant that we like to pretend like we're special. And you already know, if you subscribe to No Boundaries Podcast, we're going to tell you straight up, you're not special. Unicorns are not not special. <laughs> Unicorns still do not exist. 
Man, I was talking to my son about that the other day, bro. You know, he could he could hear that shit now. Like I said, he's sixteen. He, he found and him a unicorn. No, no, he didn't even he didn't even think he found a unicorn, but he de- he he definitely like just heard me having a conversation and was just curious about my point of view on certain things. And I just I I kind of gave him the same spill that I'm saying now, like shit repeats itself. And I really was just telling him like I don't know much about your generation, but you ha- you kind of got to look at the generation that's raising your generation and kind of ch- draw conclusions from that. So if you're looking at people my age, women my age, and like you ain't liking what you're seeing, it's probably gonna tell you everything you need to know about the future. It's gonna be interesting. Be I can't say much. You say what? So he's he's gonna have to be prepared to deal with with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if if I always like to bring you up and like even like people that I, I consider kind of traditional, like even the summers, these people that live in this bubble of man, I, I really wish things were how they used to be like in the 70s and 80s when people kind of knew their role and blah, blah, blah. But once again, times change. We have progressed into what we are. Like, okay, 50 years later, you, you 50 years ago, the gender roles were being challenged. It just wasn't being challenged on a regional thing. Like, I feel like if you were already like in New York in, in California, in those in, in the Seattles or like the Washingtons, if you are in those places that were already like highly liberal, progressive, you kind of already probably been into this mindset the past 25 years. But it took a while to trickle into those more conservative states and the more conservative cities based on the fact that, that ideals take a while to travel, but ideals do travel. And the ideologies that we're seeing on 10 right now They've been seeing that shit in Cali and other places like probably since the late 90s and early 2000s. It just took a while to get to us because low-key in a place like Texas, Texas is slow compared to Atlanta. You know, Houston is slow compared to Dallas, you know, and people just got to peep that shit. Like a lot of stuff going on right now, it really ain't new. It's just that it just got to people like us. You know, like maybe 2008, 2009. Really, really, we'd be seven, eight years behind. You got to think about it, bro. They got smart cities. There are smart cities in America. You tell somebody, smart city, what the hell? Like, yeah, there are a couple smart cities in America, and you can use your common sense to gather what a smart city is. And by the time smart cities become a mainstream thing, we're going to be like, what is this? What is here? And then they're going to be telling us, oh, this been around... It's been around since 2002. You be like, huh? I'm t- man, when what you is, tell somebody, go ahead. What is it? Um, those those new stadiums that they're building out there in California. I know Levi Stadium where the 49ers play, the SoFi Stadium where the Rams are going to play. Um, I even, I even want to say the Chase Stadium where the Warriors play. I think those are like smart stadiums where they have Wi-Fi where you can you know buy concessions from your phone. Like you know, cash is cash is really becoming obsolete. And even with this coin shortage, which I still don't really understand who's hoarding coins like that, but it's like cash is obsolete. More people are accepting those payments on your phone. And I remember Ed was telling me when they went to New York, they went to the Amazon store and you you know how you scan into your Amazon account on your way in and you don't check out. You just walk out with whatever you have and it'll and you'll automatically get a bill. And he told me that bill be accurate as fuck. <laughs> Hey man, I know you. I know you don't want to do this. I hear. I hear what you're saying, but I'm gonna try to break this down. And this is off the one. I'm gonna try to break this down as simple as possible. Jay, how many pennies do you have in your home right now? I have pennies, a, nickels, dimes. Like I have a small basketball-shaped coin jar that's probably ten ounces, and it's not full. Ten ounces. So I probably have maybe a dollar in pennies. Probably three or four in nickels and dimes, probably fifteen and quarters. Okay. What you're doing is something that's commonly practiced across the globe. I know kids that have freaking vending machine full of quarters and coins. Like one of the first things that a person tends to save is coins. 
So believe it or not, there are probably so many coins that are not in circulation right now to the point where it doesn't make sense to even print more coins. That's one thing that a lot of people forget about. It's the same as a $2 bill. And you always tell me this. The $2 bill is not a rare dollar bill. It's not. It's very common. But so many people take them out of circulation because they think that they're rare that it becomes a rarity. So if you're hoarding something, I mean, it kind of lends to, uh, I guess you can say, in an, uh, uh, a deflation, so to speak. Because if everybody's holding money, nobody's spending money, you got to give them a reason to spend it. So if you tell them there's a coin shortage, what are they going to do? They're going to start going into their piggy banks using their coins. And eventually that coin that was printed up in 1942, it's going to be in circulation now. And that's fucking, you got to take 80 years to spend a damn coin? You got to think about how many coins are probably in a landfill right now. How many coins are probably under your, your car seat? You know, how many coins are probably under your carpet or under or under the building that your apartment complex was built on? You know, so long story short, there are a lot of coins that are, that are, I could say, naturally taking, taken out of circulation, and they finally have a reason to say there's really no reason for us to print them up anymore. You got to think about it. It's really pointless to print up dollars. Like nobody had no no not not many people received uh, <laughs> income tax checks or stimulus checks that were actual cash in an envelope. It really was just a paper that represented money, which eventually went digital anyway. So we're just at that point where we just have to realize that you keep things digital. That's less that, that, that means that you're no pun intended, but it's more green that way. <laughs> you, you, you print up less green, you're being more green. So yeah, I, I think that's like the best way to explain it. But it, it, it is weird the way they kind of sprang it on us based on the fact that we just got so much shit going on. So when you just hear, damn, a coin shortage? What else y'all going to throw at us? That's that's basically all it is. But once again, it's always about looking into the future, bro. Like I was about to say earlier, man, you tell somebody that Amazon been around since 1994, they'll look at you like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like when you tell people that the Internet's been around since the 80s, they look at you like you're crazy because based on the fact that a lot of us, when we first start hopping online, we had to upload a, a CD and we had to plug in. We had to plug into a, you know, to a phone jack. That was, that was what, 96? So, yeah, 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 yeah. America Online, AOL, 96. Yeah, yeah, that's 96, 97, you know. And you fast forward, bro, like, that's that's less than 25 years. Look where we are now, bro. We're literally talking about erasing money because we can do it digitally. <laughs> That shit crazy, bro. I've se- I have seen articles like, you know, should we stop making pennies? On the survey we did on Instagram, bro, like, a lot of people was like, it didn't really matter to them. But the reality is, like, when you really sit there and think about the coins that are taken out of circulation, the fact that you can go to a drive through and the cashier accidentally drops some of your coins... And you'd be like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> it's just money. Like, it's just seven cents. Nigga, that's money. <laughs> what you say? It's just money. <laughs> you remember? Bruh, like, you're, I, I think for the most part, they've made the, the um, easy tag and the toll tags cash only. But just imagine all those people who have trash-ass arms or trash-ass hand-eye coordination that was just throwing those quarters and they weren't making it. Oh, bruh. You could probably pull it's up there without any things. change and reach out, scoop scoop you up enough quarters to get through. Bruh, easily, easily. Look, man, the purpose of the tollway was to alleviate traffic. The toll booth never really made sense. Just to be honest with you, it never really made sense. I'm going to slow you One down. One lane, two lane, three lane, it never made sense. Once you had, a, once you, once you realize that if a person comes through here and they don't pay, I have their license. I'm just going to send them a bill. I mean, it is what it is. And if and after a while, if you if you try to evade this bill, we're going to have your black ass in court. Or we're going to have your white ass in court or whatever. 
you finna you finna come to court and you finna deal with us if you try to evade this toll. So once they realized they was doing that, I felt like they should have been like, you know what? This toll booth worker, in all honesty, should really be more of a monitor, maybe. Because I, I hate the fact that those people are going to lose their jobs. I'm not going to lie. But to be honest with you, those people should never even have jobs. They should never... Should, one, that shit was dangerous to me. Because that shit that they was behind wasn't bulletproof. I know a toll worker, they told me it wasn't bulletproof. And the fact that a lot of times they had to open it anyway. So... And, and then to me, with, with, with money in general, you always take that risk of counterfeiting. Yep. That was one of my things when... Um, I had I had sold a couple of things on OfferUp, and I was so tempted to just be like, "Hey man, just make your payment through OfferUp. That way, I don't got to worry about you trying to counterfeit me." But then I realized, you know what? Counterfeiting is fucking hard now, very hard. Because have you ever just looked at a hundred dollar bill? I want to talk about my bad, my bad. I don't even know who I, I know who I was talking to. First <laughs> and foremost, you need to relax, <laughs> relax. Because I don't I don't remember the last time. I touched a hundred dollar bill. Oh, that's that's even bigger money talk right there. <laughs> God, oh man, everybody ain't able, bro. Chill out, go man. ahead, chill dog. out, go man, ahead, chill out, man. But yeah, I don't. And, and see, to to your point, I don't remember the last time I handled currency like that. I mean, when I went and got my tattoo, I had got I had got cash, but I got that in fifties. But I don't remember the last time I handled a hundred. Like even the ATM was like, "Do you want twenties or you want fifties? A hundreds weren't even an option. So yeah. My bad. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not, not even trying to be funny right now. I, what a fifty dollar bill? I ain't seen a fifty dollar bill in a minute. Exactly. Like we don't handle we don't handle cash often. So when people come in with cash, unless I'm coming to a gas station or someplace that handles cash quite often, you right. Counterfeiting could be quite easy. Hmm. I, I mean, the reason I said it's hard because I saw a hundred dollar bill and I'm like, bruh, if somebody tried to give me a fake one of these, like putting that mug up to the sun, bro, it's too hard to duplicate that. But that that money that was circulating in the early 2000s, late 90s, it was a little bit easier to counterfeit. Oh, because it has bruh, the, it has the strip now with the with the etch a sketch face next to it, and bro, bruh, think of dog, that's insane, like. Like I said, it could be easy. I'm just saying, I'm not a counterfeiter, but obviously. But when I saw that hundred dollar bill, I was like, man, like, uh, cause I think I think I got like a hundred dollar bill for like Christmas or something or my birthday. And I seen it, now I, I held that mug up, bro. It's like watermarks on there that seem very cryptic. It's so much stuff on there that, in all honesty, you'd have to break inside the treasury department. And just go ahead, just get you the machine, bro, and get the cracking, bro. Like you, you're not counterfeiting this because this isn't art. This just seems like a bunch of copy and paste, and it's so it it almost feels like it's so sloppy, but it's in it's it's sloppy on purpose because it makes it harder to duplicate. That's the hundred dollar bill. I'm looking at the fifty dollar bill. The fifty dollar bill looks like it's probably been the, the same since the early two thousands. Like it it uh yeah, it doesn't look. It doesn't look like they've changed much, but that hun that hundo though, that mug, that mug is very very fancy. Um, uh, so still, Ulysses Grant is on here. Uh, material still seventy five percent cotton, twenty five percent linen. Um, yeah, I think I think the the newest one has been around since two thousand four. So they haven't updated the fifty dollar bill in sixteen years, but uh. Let me see. Let me make sure that hundred dollar bill. I know people probably listen like, "What the hell is dude talking about?" But um, the hundred dollar bill, the newest one's been around since '09. You know that. And once again, it's still seventy five percent cotton, twenty five percent linen. But niggas, this a shirt. Dog, that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> low key. Um, man, when I say the the watermark. The 3D security ribbon. It's a security thread, color shifting ink, micro printing, raised printing, uh, Orion constellation, bro. It, and it has security fibers on there, bro. I don't even know what I just said, but uh, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, bro, you got to think about how much money it costs to print a one a one one hundred dollar bill. 
Is it necessary? Is it? Doesn't seem uh, like it. But you know they're not going to repurpose those funds appropriately, so you might as well spend it. <laughs> you might as well spend money on money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> I think the whole point of this, that everything I'm saying right now, it's about constant innovation. I get constant innovation. Like you, you, you kind of have to try to be ahead of the game. And we're witnessing people realizing that now. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of talk about the whole concept of of businesses, but small businesses as well. It's specifically black businesses because a long time ago I was sent this one tweet, and I believe the the the, the original poster of the tweet uh, said, "Black owned does not mean cheaper, discounted, or free." Unlearn that. And then somebody came in and said, black owned also shouldn't mean $45 for a t-shirt that says melanin. And if I'm reading this in the right order, it says, no, this sounds dumb because you don't have to buy the shirt. Also, yes, y'all do be out here buying $500 shirts that say Supreme. So there's no point here. And... The funny thing about all three of those statements is they all are true. <laughs> yes, they all are. They all are true. And I need people to understand that in the end, business, there should be a universal business model. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that there should be a universal business model, which means the way this Asian business treats me is the same way I expect this black business to treat me in this white business. Correct. Cool. There should be, I'm just saying there should, and that's just customer service. I don't think the Chick-fil-A versus Popeye customer service debate that happened about a year ago was coming from an unserious, unserious place. I do believe that Popeyes yeah, is yeah, disrespectful yeah, yeah. as fuck. You said what? Popeyes is disrespectful as fuck. Bro, like people weren't joking about that. They literally was calling out something that they have experienced and multiple people have experienced it. And to this day, to this day, Popeye still low key remains defeated when it comes to Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A business model was based on good customer service. And I still see black people that have Trump derangement syndrome that swear they hate Trump still at Chick-fil-A to this day. So that lets me know right there that that's how specific and that's how important customer service is because I would even say Starbucks benefits from that as well because you still cannot convince me that their $9 coffee or $7 coffee is really worth it. But I do believe that they were ahead of the game when they realized, hey, we just do a fancy coffee. We we offer great customer service, which customer service. Look, I think the business model of the customers is always right. It's bullshit. I think that's a very Western ideal. But the question is, why are we even getting to the point where we have to argue with a customer? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, when you get to that point, you, you're probably in a situation that you don't want to be in. And also, why do you think most people argue with, with customer service or cashiers or argue with stores? Why do you think the argument usually takes place? I would say it's somebody's failure to acknowledge that they were wrong. About what? About what they said or what they ordered or what they wanted. One thing that made me laugh about that tweet that I just read, I think people fail to realize that most major businesses offer coupons and discounts and have sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, and I think a lot of times when these arguments persist, it's a lot of times it's because of a pricing of something or it's because, like you said, something was ordered and it was ordered wrong. And now that person wants to be either refunded or discounted. So when people try to say that only black businesses, people coming in with the mentality of getting discounts, I'd be like, hold on now. I know plenty of people that coupon. People going to Kroger's that want, want discounts. 
People <laughs> that's, go into that's Walmart what, that's all the time. Why they, that's bribery. Like, hey, I'm going to give you this coupon in hopes you come buy a whole lot more stuff. Here, you get a free large drink and fry when you buy the sandwich. I'm making so much money off the sandwich, I can get the fries and drinks away for free. So I'm just letting you know for a limited time, <laughs> I'm giving you this for free. So, therefore, I think the only thing that people need to unlearn is the fact that all businesses practice a universal business model. I think a lot of people go into black businesses or businesses in general trying to save a dollar. They want something. They can't afford it. So, like, man, hopefully I can, you know, get $8 off, $7 off, and I can can afford to get this T-shirt and go get me some Starbucks. Just saying, you know what I'm saying? Like, we do live in a consumer society. The more people can consume, the more they'll want to consume. If they can't consume a lot at your store, they're not going to want to come back. So really, go ahead. Let me tell you what annoys me. Is when you are flexing your profit margin on me. That bothers me. Where it's like, okay, I see this small business, black, white, or other. You got a dope product. I, I, I take I take part in in, in, in in your sales goals. Like, I'll buy something from you. Then you send me this this T-shirt that you paid $3 from Walmart to get. And then you did a little iron-on graphic. And I've, and I've given you 30 bucks for a $5 T-shirt. You flexed your profit margin on me. And that annoys me. Like, I know this T-shirt is $3 at Walmart. I know for a fact. Go get a different T-shirt from somewhere else. Go to Hobby Lobby. Go to Hobby Lobby or something, or 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 cut the label off and and print your own in it or something like that. But don't this don't just the, flex this, this Walmart. Is, what is it? The the Gildan or whatever brand. Don't, don't flex that on the guy. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, man. Speaking of a universal business model, so based on what you're saying right now, you feel like there should be a fixed profit margin that people should kind of have to deal with? Nope, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. Because you got to know your worth. You got to you got to you got to know what your product is worth. And if people <gasps> buy it, then that proves you got to you got you got to know your worth and add taxes and 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 add the tax. And if people don't buy it, then it's not for them. But if too many people don't buy it, you need to reevaluate your worth. <laughs> First of all, I just wanted to come on here and say that I hate that that little phrase so much because th- what you just said is very important. People have an inflated worth. I think that's your real beef. You yeah. ain't tripping about the profit margin. You're just trying to figure out why this costs so much when you feel like it ain't worth it. And if a lot of other people are saying it ain't worth it, like you just said, you need to reevaluate that. Reevaluate that. And that goes for people too. Look, little mama. I know you feel you are you are, you are a ten. I know you feel like you you know you the you the most wanted person on the planet. Even you dudes, I know y'all think y'all just popping, but the reality is, y'all may know y'all worth, but is it realistic though? Are you really looking at the market and and put? Are you putting? Are you really appraising yourself <laughs> when it comes to what the market actually has to offer? Because in the end, I mean. You may not meet, be the most desired. You may not have the most likable product. So therefore, you saying you knowing your worth and adding taxes to it might just be infl- uh, inflated ego syndrome. Like, and that goes for businesses too. Like you just said, you got this Gildan shirt. The design really ain't all that impressive, but it's yours, and you selling it. But then you want to sell it for thirty. But then the person that's tr- tr- that wants to support you and wants to buy it from you is looking at it like, now nah, time out. I know this shirt costs less than five dollars. So what you're telling me is, you made it took you an hour to make this shirt, and you hitting me twenty five dollars over the head because that's how much time you put in to make this shirt. Can you do you really think that I believe that I believe it took you one hour to make this shirt? Because I mean, just look at it. You go to Walmart. Let's say you live a seven miles from a Walmart, five to seven miles from a Walmart. You even you can you can say okay, fourteen miles. You know you get a you get a a gallon to the tank or whatever, like a gallon. I don't know I don't know your your miles per gallon, but let's just say realistically, you're charging me five dollars for that time it took you to get to Walmart and back. Now, to 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 thermal print or 
whatever you do with these shirts, I need that person to be like, hey, this is the amount of time it took me to print up seven to ten shirts. Then I'm fine with what you charged me for in that realm. But I need you to be realistic because I don't believe that, like you just said, I don't believe that a lot of the material and a lot of time people put into this shit is really worth that hot 30 or 45. And like like Lil Mama said on his tweet, Supreme doesn't cost that much either. But we so, got to be honest with ourselves. Why are you making all your money back off my one purchase? <laughs> that's what that... And honestly, that's what people be trying to do. People really try to make their money back on as few sales as possible. Because I think everybody looks at business as, if I'm not making a huge profit, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I really don't think that that's truly business. I think at the end of the day, I mean, just even looking at stocks, like if you're a trader, you know, most daily traders will tell you all day, man, any profit is a good profit. Like you want to make a profit, but you can't be greedy. And to be honest with you, I really feel like not specifically black businesses, but a lot of small businesses end up collapsing because they're chasing that profit, which is just greedy. And then they get mad at the Bezos. They get mad at the Elons and the, the owners of for Victoria's Secret and the Forever 21s. But nobody ever talks about the length or the time it takes to get to that status. Like Starbucks has been around since I want to say 19, the 1970s. But your average person wouldn't know that because they only saw Starbucks after it hit that mainstream stride in the early 2000s. So that's all they know about Starbucks. They don't know that Starbucks was, once again, this Washington-based coffee shop that just fucking blew up. And it took them, what, almost 30 years for, for the average? It probably took, I'm going to say most people probably ain't hear about Starbucks until the late 90s, early 2000s. You got to think about that. They already in the game for 20 years before you knew about them. Think about, think about what type of profits they was chasing in those 20 years, mm-hmm. were they chasing a profit or were they trying to strive towards being an international business? You know, like were they trying to strive towards just growing the brand? Because I think it steps to, to, to getting to that McDonald's level to get into that Starbucks level or that Apple level. Cause like, I, rem- not- I remember watching that McDonald's doc on how they went, you know, nationwide from just a little, mom and pop place or whatever you want to consider them to be at the time and you know it, it, it takes some risk and you know it takes some believing in your product or it takes some shady business guy coming in here and talk you out of your, 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 your that's another story <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 because a lot a lot goes into that man like i said if i go into a if i go into a small black business i understand that you're paying rent on this place I understand that you have laborers that are probably putting this product together, so on and so forth. But it all comes back to knowing your worth. Yeah, add the taxes all you want, but if you're adding a delusional tax, then when you collapse, it's really not going to be nobody else's fault but yours. And I, I mean, personally to me, I hate the ideal of, you know, supporting this business because they're that. I'm going to support a good business. That's what it all. That's what it all comes down to. And like, no, this is not like an all lives matter take because this is not really life or death. Like, this is literally you that you're trying. I mean, you could say it's life or death, but at the end of the day, you're trying to make a living. So you don't want to combat me if I'm if if I'm your potential customer. Like, it ain't that I'm right, but at the same time, you want me to come back. What you willing to do to make sure that I come back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, that's what, what Frank Lucas do. are you putting out there? They ain't got no blue magic. <laughs> they ain't got no blue magic. That's the problem. That's the problem. Like you said, bro, he went all the way to what? Taiwan? And it's like, his his main thing was, I want to be able to sell a product that undercuts everybody else, but I'm still making a profit. I don't got to make the largest profit, but I got to undercut everybody else. And it got to be a product that's that when they getting it, they not looking at it like, well, shit, you know, you get what you pay for they getting it and they still fucking with it. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's real important. And I think Frank Lucas was real smart about that. And, um, yeah, like you said, bro, maybe you don't need to go to Gildan 
is maybe the Walmart brand. Maybe you need to go to Hobby Lobby. Maybe maybe you need to go to Dollar General. Or to, or to know, me, start there. even just take this next step and be like, I'm going to buy the tagless shirts and I'm going to print my own label in the shirt. Like, like, like make me feel more. And, and this is just me because, you know, I'm, I'm extra. So, you know, this isn't for, you know, if you sell and, you know, what does my opinion matter? But to me, it's like, you know, make me feel like I got some some custom out here. You can you can give me the Gildan shirt. Just don't give me the Gildan tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me feel yeah. let me let me feel that you took that extra step. I think that custom mindset kind of lends towards foolery too, because once somebody feels like, oh man, you got this customized and this and that, they just feel like they just gotta, you know, inflate the price. And I'm like, bro, like, I get it. Like this is this I may have something that's unique, but at the same time, like, bro, like let's be one hundred here. Like, you need me to buy this. You know what I'm saying? You need and you want me to buy this because at the end of the day, if I buy this and it looks good and people are fucking with it, more people are gonna be asking me where I got it from and they're gonna be coming to you. I mean <laughs> I really feel like a lot of people, a lot of millennials and Gen Zers, when they come into the business they come into the business wanting to be like in the running stage. They don't want to crawl. They don't want to walk. They want to be doing a full sprint. And it's like, dude, that ain't the, that ain't the game. Like, I don't know anything about Turkey Leg Hut, but I, I imagine Turkey Leg Hut was probably around quite a quite a bit quite a bit before I heard about them mm-hmm. and before they ever got a truck. And that's just one of those businesses that I feel like a lot of people are proud of that business, but it didn't run into that. It's not. It didn't come in. It didn't come out sprinting like. It didn't they, pop they, up they, day they, one. They, boom! This is a turkey leg cut, and the line is out the door. No, you yeah, got you got yeah. to deliver a product that makes people come back. You got to deliver a product that makes people talk about you positively. Because we've talked in the past before about you know you're more likely to go write a Yelp review for something you didn't like compared to something that you did like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking to my homeboy about like Yelp reviews and shit. No matter no matter how reliable we think like that stuff is, sometimes you do gotta go just experience it yourself because I mean everybody is everybody's experience is unique. Like so I do like looking at Google and Yelp reviews, not gonna lie, but I don't fully rely on them. I, I have to see like if I see like an abundance of negativity, I'm like, okay, common sense tells me okay, I mean I may not need to rock with this. But if I'm looking at some three and a half, four stars, uh not too bad. Honestly, I go there to read the negative stuff. I don't want to read the positive stuff. Give me the negative stuff and let me see if that's something I can tolerate. <laughs> Pretty much, man, because somebody be like, well, I mean, I can only get so many customer service was trash. And, you know, if I get that enough, I probably won't rock with it. Because, I mean, regardless of anybody, how anybody feels, like, I do believe in, you know, just genuinely being kind to a person from a customer service angle because nobody knows your job like you do. Like, I could even be I could even be talking to a teacher and no matter what my background is, I want that teacher to understand that I don't know about her job. I don't teach. I, I'm, I'm she need I want the teacher, he or she, to treat me as if I'm foreign to what she's doing. The only angle I know about education is being taught. So therefore, if if I'm coming at a teacher, I want them to realize that, okay, this person truly doesn't know my job. So anything that they assume or say, I just need to give. I just need to understand that they don't know my job. So I'm not gonna be mad at them for not knowing my job, but I'm gonna explain to them what the real is, and then we can go from there. But I'm gonna do it in a real, not necessarily a politically correct way, but in a way that has them walking away learning, like they actually learned something. Like okay, I didn't know that's what y'all teachers was going through. You know, I can empathize with you more because now I know. You know. You heard about that? You heard about that teacher that um called the police on that little boy for um yeah she was a virtu- she was it was a virtual learning session and I guess the kid was still had like a, a a super soaker or a play gun or something he was on a zoom with it and um she, I know she ended up getting the kid suspended for five days and like the headlines were teachers got this black kid suspended you know obviously they you know they want to do the identity politics things but my main concern was like like damn like. <laughs> you had that much animosity towards that boy because he had a super soaker on the Zoom. Like, and, and I never even got a chance to really look at the age. I'm, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna send it to you because I'm looking at you. You looking like, bro? What you talking about? I bet, but but just just hearing that, I bet it's more of like 
this little motherfucker ain't listening and I'm frustrated. And so this is this is me taking steps to the next measure here. Just speaking from my perspective, I've been I, a lot I like ever since this pandemic has been going on, you already know how I feel about the term heroes and you know these champions that society is 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 to, in my opinion over glorifying, but I'm just of the mindset of when I sign up for something. I really don't need the pat on the back. I mean, I appreciate people noticing the hard work I do. But me personally, if I sign up for something, then the only recognition that I need really is a pay raise. <laughs> and <laughs> just saying, bro, like I'm working and you're calling me a hero, blah, blah, blah. Well, it incentivize me. That's all. Like, I don't. I don't need the the public telling me I'm a hero. Like, how often do you really hear about firefighters being heroes and firefighters be doing some wild shit in public that's not really talked about? Like, you know, I think Oregon and California burning right now. And, and shout out to the person that was doing a gender reveal and burned half half of Southern California down. I did Y'all see are fucking that. idiots. I did see that. Listen, you know how stupid you gotta be. I repeat myself. You know how motherfucking stupid you gotta be to be doing a gender reveal that burns half a city down? I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, let's state the obvious. These California wildflowers, flowers, fires happen every year. It happens, whether it be a lightning strike or campers that didn't stump out a fire appropriately. Yeah, Something like that. Yeah, it happens every year. Why would you want to put yourself in a situation to add to that? Because people think it won't happen to them. Nobody's bulletproof. Nobody's exempt. Nobody's exempt from pain. Bro, people think they are. People really think they are, man. Like, I say it all the time that a lot of people are, I believe, like, you know, a lot of people in this this 35 and under crowd, the parents and the individuals themselves, they feel like if they get coddled enough, if they stay in that bubble long enough, that they won't feel any type of pain. They feel like the pain, they feel like people don't look at pain as inevitable. When you start talking like that, they look at you like you're BoJack Horseman or they look at you like you're just like, oh, you're just pessimistic. And that's not really true. When in reality, like, we all know that there there are times in life to be a pessimist, a optimist, a realist. Like, all those things, that's life. Like, life is never just going to be one-sided unless you're just a dumb motherfucker that just makes a lot of bad decisions. I imagine those people that did the gender reveal, they probably have a, they probably had a slew of bad luck in their life. But they probably felt like, you know what, we're bringing a bundle of joy into this world. We can't burn nothing up. What could go wrong about such a joyous occasion? She, God is laughing. Which 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 law is it that they say um, whatever could possibly go wrong will probably probably will? Is, is I mean, like, I really think that's Murphy's law. Yeah, yeah, to I think an that's extent. What it is. You know, I mean, it's it, it, it once again if you say that to your modern thinker today, they're just gonna automatically label you as a pessimist. And I've told you, I, I've said on. Um, quite a few episodes back like when people call me a pessimist I actually take that as a trophy now because I realize people know that okay this dude's serious he ain't he ain't on no bubblegum shit I'm not finna get no I'm not finna get no fake no toxic positive positivity from him he finna give me the real because he's a pessimist that's fine that's cool I don't think I'm a pessimist I always say I'm I'm a realist but you know I'm a, I'm the type of person that you know I believe in positive affirmations too, but I'm not going to be a fucking idiot about it. I'm not going to be <laughs> delusional about it. Straight up. As, as much mean, as I hope things to go good, I'm, I'm not going to neglect the fact that things can go bad. Man, things can go bad and they will. Shout out to the people that did the gender reveal once again. Y'all have a special place in my heart. Y'all made 2020 that much better. I mean, that much stupider. Like, <laughs> just straight up, like, we it was a point of time where people were actually bragging because that the atmosphere was so clean because due to due to low traffic 
uh, because lockdowns were occurring in so many places. So animals were able to roam freely because there's so many cities that weren't allowing you to drive at certain times. And there was just less human traffic, definitely less car traffic. Then all of a sudden y'all want to burn shit down. Y'all literally, y'all literally had three or four months of clean non CO2 air. And y'all just decided, you know what? <laughs> shit just going too good. We got to fuck something up. How can, how can we, we bring gotta, balance back to the world? Set the whole countryside on fire. Yeah, man, that's that's insane. And we may be exaggerating. Maybe maybe it might just be a forest like the Amazon that nobody talk about no more. But save the rainforest. The fact by of the way. Matter, you say what? Save the rainforest. By the way, you yeah, gotta save the rainforest, man. Man, I, I watched that Dora the Explorer. Man, that shit was so damn funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it, bro. Like, I, I mainly watched it because. I was trying to figure out why it had such a, a high rating on Rotten Tomato, and I realized why. I mean, you're not supposed to take the movie serious. Mm-hmm. You're just not. You just think about it like a. Really, to me, it has the. It has the. Same type of humor that Austin Powers had. If that makes sense, like it comes with that same type of energy. It's you're not supposed to take it serious, but. There are moments in that motherfucker where you go learn some shit. But if you a goofy motherfucker like I am, you gonna laugh. You gonna like, oh man, these motherfuckers dumb. But you're not supposed to take it serious. And it's funny to me how we talk about how most of society just don't take shit serious no more. And they will go into that wanting to take it serious. It's like, bro, you choose this time to take something serious. Really, <laughs> really. Don't so burn down the rainforest. Selective. It's all selective. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very very selective, man. Like, uh, and shout out, but, shout, uh, out shout out to to Mahad because you know nine eleven was was on September eleventh, of course, Captain Obvious, and you know everybody's talking about man. I wish this country was united on uh, today as it was on nine twelve when we were helping our fellow man and everything like this. And I was looking at Mahad's Instagram story, and he's he's, he's you know how he's showing tweets and everything. It was like we were treating Muslim Americans like fucking shit that day. And it's kind of like the, the the selective remembrance you have going on there. It's like, oh, yeah, black, white. Yeah, we were nice to each other. But you seen a Muslim? <sighs> Bruh. They, they tried so hard to avoid that with the, with the COVID, with the, with the Wuhan virus, the Kung flu and all that. They tried to, that's one of the reasons why they were kind of angry at Trump because they felt like it would spark that again because it was like, well, we don't really want to put this in the hands of the Chinese because it puts Chinese in a bad spot. And in my mind, I was like, but y'all ain't give a fuck about the Muslims (laughs) when 9-11 happened. Y'all wasn't trying to say, oh, it wasn't the Muslims. We don't want to talk about the Muslims like that. Like, Dog, there are people still to this day that, and I stay in a pretty conservative area, I'm telling you right now, they don't really fuck with Muslims like that. Like, when they see, you know, the the Middle Eastern, you know, they get that Middle Eastern sense from a person, they're actually pretty rude to those people still to this day. I feel like that's something that people have definitely united on, and it does not help that when you look on them, when you're watching the media, that like and I say media I mean when you're watching shit that Hollywood puts out it don't make it no better because a lot of these a lot of these Middle Eastern cats a lot of these Indian cats like they still taking these terrorist roles and I say I'm, I'm, I'm of a mindset of that's the same as being a coon to me because you still you, you help to enforce that stereotype you're causing you're causing your people to look bad I feel like that's coonery and I, and I always tell people like you know you can really use the word coonery in so many ways based on the fact that the first thing you think of when you're dealing with a raccoon is you, you're looking at somebody that's a bottom of the bottom of the barrel type of person. They at the bottom of the trash can trying to eat and they don't give a damn what it takes. That's why when people say Candace Owen is a coon, I'm like, yeah, you're right because she don't give a fuck about her people because she has a position and no matter how it makes her people look, she willing to go that route. But in that same front, I could look at people on the other side they think that they, you know, uplifting their people, but I'm like, hey, a lot of y'all in Hollywood, y'all quit to jump up and be a slave on TV. It's like, bro, that don't make us look good. 
you quick to jump up and and play this stereotypical role of this black dude with his half his, his pants halfway off his ass. The drug and you, dealer. And the drug yeah, and you're reinforcing that stereotype. You're not helping the black community out no more than Candace Owens is. Y'all both coons to me. <laughs> Just being one hundred about it. Like like it like we that that's where we are now. Because the same person that's gonna call you a fascist or call you a Nazi or call you a you know, uh, whatever. I mean, a lot of times they, they that themselves. They just projected that onto you. It's like so it all it all come back to just that that you know, that um that touch of reality when you realize no nobody's all good, nobody's all bad. And a lot of people have good intentions and you know, I already know, you know <laughs> you know what that road to hell is paved with. Hey. So it's just straight up, bro. You taught me that. And that's just, <laughs> I mean, that's that. It, it is what it is, bro. But I get it. Everybody, everybody has an ideal. Everybody thinks their ideal is better than the next person's ideal. And eventually that person thinks that their ideal is the supreme ideal. Once everybody jumps on the dick of that ideal, to be honest with you, that still doesn't make that ideal any greater than the other person's ideal. It's just that you might've been in the right place at the right time. And God's algorithm happened to be in your favor. I mean, it. that's that's life. That's really life. Because I guarantee you there's somebody out there that was probably better than Michael Jordan, but guess what? We don't know who he is because God's algorithm just happened to put Michael Jordan in the right place. And now 30 years later, 40 years later, we still talk about MJ. Still talking about MJ. Yeah. What, who, who was it? Uh, Lynn Bias or... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been it's been a number of them that's you know was supposed to be the next Jordan. Man, Jerry Stackhouse, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and I'm not saying I'm not all. You know, obviously, we have the good ones that come close, but yeah. the, the the reality is, we're saying that they're the next Jordan. Like that's a big deal. Before Jordan, it was who gonna be the next Will Chamberlain and Dr. J and Larry Bird, and then. Now it's who's the next Jordan, and they're still saying it. Now a lot of people are saying more. Oh, he he has you know he has a uh, inklings of a of a Kobe Bryant or LeBron or Steph Curry. That's what you're getting a lot nowadays. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, those are the greater players right now. And I mean, I'm pretty sure it feels good to be in that spot. You know. But is, isn't that I'm a testament sure. to Jordan's greatness? Of like you know all these people are supposed to be the next, and none of them. I mean, you know, you have the ones that came close. But as far as like, okay, this is the guy that eclipsed Jordan that nobody got there. Really, with this current society, I mean, especially with the NBA, it's so it's so ring heavy, it's so ring lustful that I mean, if you don't get that six rings with the same team, then yeah, you're not going to eclipse Jordan. I mean, the only way to really do that is to get that seven on the same team and consistently be the reason that they got those seven. Straight up, like that's why I always say, like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, like, I, I enjoy the fact that LeBron did what he did, but the fact of the matter, like, even when you, like, you really can't mirror their careers, like, they're just totally different players, and you really have to appreciate them for that. I mean, you, people could say Kobe came the closest, but at the end of the day, he still didn't get that six, and you can argue that he wasn't the main reason that they got those five, like. He always played a prominent role, but a nigga always gonna say, "Man, he had shit, shit." A nigga Gasol wasn't no fool. Like he wasn't no, he wasn't no pushover. He wasn't no pushover, but they never called Gasol the most dominant player ever. Yeah, yeah, honestly, of course, of course, of course. But for sure, for sure, Shaq gets a lot of credit for those for those rings, and and Phil Jackson gets a whole lot of credit for those rings. They people always will do that. I feel like that's really the only. I feel like true basketball savants that know basketball, they know that Michael Jordan didn't do it by himself. People know how good Scottie Pippen was. People know how good of a coach Phil Jackson was. They know many seasons that Jordan was the only one hitting game winners. They know that. But a lot of the kids that just watch highlights, they don't know. No. You know, from a, from a camera test, I'm going to be honest with you, like, Peyton Manning is my like Peyton, Peyton Manning, Barry Sanders, Terrell Davis, Megatron, like, and and Randy Moss 
are like my favorite football athletes to watch. From a camera test, I always enjoyed Peyton Manning's game as a quarterback a lot more than I like Tom Brady's. And then eventually Andrew Luck came, and I, I really enjoyed Andrew Luck's game. But I'd be being intellectually dishonest if I say Pat Holmes not better than all three of them because he is. Bro, Pat, he Pat Mahomes said he didn't even learn how to read defense until like towards the end of last season. Bro, he better than all of them. <laughs> It's like they know it. I mean, but I mean, he's worth half a billion, bro. They know he's better. He, and I like how you said he's worth half a billion. Not that oh he's getting paid half a billion. He's worth that because the money he's gonna make them is probably gonna be in the three or four billion range. Yeah, easily, easily. That's that's actually quite conservative. I think probably more than that when you're talking about merch, selling out seats in other arenas. Ticket sales are definitely up. The TV you know, deal that's going to come. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he. Yeah, that's and I'm, I'm just and like I, I honestly know that this to an extent this could be subjective, but if you're looking at it from an athletic standpoint, what he can do with his feet and with his arm, like it's going to get to the point where watching him becomes boring because the game is way too easy for him. Like it's just is. You just expect it. Like like you know if LeBron doesn't go almost have a triple double, you, you're looking at him like oh what was wrong with him. And it's like, and I'm and I'm not yes. saying triple doubles are hard anymore because Russell Westbrook showed you that you can, you know, you can, if you put your mind to it, you can do a triple double every night. You just got to be Definitely. super selective at, of what you do and and very dependent on getting to those numbers. But it's like, and LeBron's in the MVP race every year, you know. So let's give it to somebody else. I mean, he's always here. This is what's expected of him. There you go. Somebody, somebody I was hooping with at the park. They call it greatness fatigue. They say, you know, after a while, you just. Derek Jeter just isn't impressive anymore. Exactly. Tom Brady isn't impressive anymore. So like, uh, they're great. We get it. Who's next? Where's the next guy? Like, like I said, man, you know it. Golden State boys was boys was on that Golden State coattail hard in 2014-15. Then all of a sudden, they was on a second one, and they then they got KD, and then people. Honestly, I always felt like people use the KD excuse as a reason to hate them, but they were already good. KD going there just made you hate him more because you were about to start hating him anyway. So now it's like, okay, good. KD there now. I can legitimately hate him. Yeah. Like, like, and that's, to me, that's, I really feel like that's a current mindset thing because when you look at most sports, most sports, they've been around for years. I feel like this generation gets greatness fatigue because I really kind of feel like there were so many Bulls fans. <laughs> when I was growing up that didn't live anywhere near Chicago that like Bulls fans, Yankees fans, like, you know, I get it. Like those teams were great and everybody was fucking with it. And it felt like everybody was enjoying it. But like now, yeah, people are spoiled now, bro. People are real spoiled. That's really what it is to me. It's not even greatness fatigue. People are just spoiled. And when they, when they, when they get so much of something, they feel like they're entitled to it. And that's when it gets boring. Because like you said, like I say all the time, like if you spoil a person long enough, especially these modern people, you you spoil them long enough and that entitlement sets in and you don't give it to them, they turn rotten. Like they just turn so rotten. And that just that just goes to show that, you know, <laughs> some people just don't deserve good things. Some people deserve a punch in the face. But uh, wow. low key, I didn't think we were going to get to sports. Yeah, you know how we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to sh- uh, shout out to everybody out there that uh that that thought I was wrong when I said the Raptors were not to be played with, cause uh, <laughs> I don't know what people were thinking, but um yeah they're going to Game Seven, and whoa 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 whoa, Game Seven's over. Or Game Six. Oh I didn't, oh my bad I didn't watch it yesterday. Oh yeah Boston won the series. Okay yeah okay, I'm glad that happened because people thought that the Raptors were just going to be pushovers. Oh, yeah, and definitely. I, and I kept saying that Boston can win, but it's not going to be easy because of the fact that the best player on the court in this series was not Kimball Walker. No. And everybody unanimously thought it was Kimball Walker. And I was like, nah, I don't know about that. But I didn't get a chance to watch the game last night, but my son did tell me. Was it last night or night before? Last night. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. My son did tell me that he was – he he feels like the way Boston played – the Raptors, they don't have a chance against the Heat. And I'm just like, to be honest with you, I think it comes down to the better coach. And 
Eric Spoelstra has proven proven himself as to be a great coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're gonna see. We're gonna see because uh, I, I think that this is a good matchup. I, I'm pick. I'm picking Miami as well. I, I don't think it'll be easy, but I don't think it goes seven. I think it. I think it'll go six. But I, I'm picking Miami. Okay. Okay. Everybody's jumping on Miami. Miami train. So you think Miami Lakers or Miami Clippers? Okay. Okay. We really can't say Clippers yet because Denver could still pull it off. Yeah. Denver so, got one more or two more. Uh, it's it's three two. Three two so now. Clippers just need to win tonight. Yeah, Clippers just need to win one more. They played last night, so Lakers and Rockets start tonight. So I mean, you can't even say Lakers yet because they they're only up three one. Three one though, but like, no man, but the Rockets just don't. The Lakers look very very old to me. Like they look old they and are. low energy, and I might like, you could just be bored with Houston because you know you're supposed to go to the conference finals. So you know you're there. Houston's. And I'm not even saying they're lingering around more than they should because it's three one. The Lakers won three straight games, but they just look old to me, especially in the second half. And if you come out old in the second half against the Clippers, you can cancel Christmas whether Paul George show up or not. <laughs> Look, man, LeBron James, that boy, thirty-five, man, thirty-five. And y'all, people, people try to make it seem like he this, he this alien, but you know, R.P. Kobe Bean. But you, people saw chinks in Kobe armor too when he was when he was about to retire. And the reality is, man, Father Tom is undefeated. This isn't football where you're standing behind a line and you just gotta. You just got to make sure you got a good line and you slinging it with your arm. Like, no, they're expecting LeBron to be the greatest defender and the greatest scorer on the court. And if I'm not mistaken, one game this series, he had like 14 points. So you're seeing chinks in the armor. And the fact of the matter is he probably got a couple years left in him. But I honestly feel like that playoff LeBron that everybody be talking about, that playoff LeBron is long gone. I feel like you may get a finals LeBron. And he in that finals, LeBron probably gonna cramp up. <laughs> but the finals thing, the thing up. about LeBron to me, and this is coming from a big LeBron fan, I don't know if he's fully accepted the role of not having to put the team on his back. Like he's that's not his role anymore. It's like the ball needs to go through AD, and sometimes the ball isn't going through AD, and I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like if he's not scoring, he's gonna make the play. That's his role. This is this is AD's team, in my eyes. Cause LeBron, this is this isn't. All right, let me drag drag these sorry ass Cavs to the finals every year, and then you know, oh, I run I run I run into a, a quote unquote real team, and then I have an issue. Like you know, this this is this team isn't built to be on your back. And if I think you can learn anything from Rondo is how to accept that new role. And I know he's not paying attention to anything Rondo has to say, but like. This is AD's team. I expect to see AD have 30, 15, and then by seven or eight assists. I expect to see those numbers from AD. I think LeBron puts up those numbers because he's trying to prove that he still got it. I agree with you. I'm going to say this. something. It's just something about AD that makes me feel like he's not really truly a leader. I feel like they don't get enough from their, their sixth man. No. And, but I do agree with you from everything that you're saying. So by my mind, I feel Danny like they not. They really don't. They really don't. They they to me their bench is really weak. I don't really think AD is a leader, and I think I I never really looked at LeBron like a leader, but I felt like LeBron had the highest IQ on the court, and you expect a lot from him, because you can easily say that during you know during the big big three era, you know he kind of he kind of faded to. To um to D Wade a lot, and that was fine when D Wade was healthy. But long story short, LeBron low key is a good guy. He's a good guy, and I think AD is a good guy too. And they don't they really don't have that Draymond out there. They don't have that dog out there. They don't have that, that dog that they really need, and that, it really sucks. And I think that that's gonna hurt him in the end because the Clippers have that. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is a is like a silent assassin, and he's a leader. And they also got Pat Beverly that that he's that dog. And, and Boston has a dog. And Miami has a dog. A dog. A H-Town dog at that. At but, that. Yeah. Hey, we ain't going to bore y'all here with all this sports talk, man. But the, you know how I feel about the psychology of sports is important. So just if I, as I segue into words of advice, I, I definitely feel like, you know, <laughs> the teammates you roll with can make or break you. So, you know, 
if if you're in a situation where you ain't got that that dog in your corner and you're in a spot in your life that you don't like you know you might just need to reevaluate re your your teammates because like i said man you you being the man or the woman is one thing but man like you you never you're never gonna do it all alone just like i said about jordan earlier you, he didn't do it all by himself and no matter where you are in life you're never gonna do it all by yourself so it's, it's nothing wrong with with fading to that person that's more of a leader than you because they say it all the time at the basketball court i go to they say kyp kyp know your personnel so you got to know that if you're not that person that can handle those those heavy you know really hard decisions like it's okay to you know ask questions and and get somebody to kind of push you in the right direction i mean that's a part of growing up you're not you're not really meant to be isolated you're not really meant to be doing all this shit by yourself if you need help ask for help long story short but yeah that's all i got don't be don't be too proud to, don't be too proud to ask for help never never um my words of advice are don't put the team on your back if that's not your role every like you said know your personnel everybody has a role to play everybody should know their role and if you're not the one that put that that's designed to put the team on their back and to carry you to the promised land then play your role because you're setting yourself up for failure you're going to break and crumble under pressure that wasn't designed for you only accept what's designed for you only go after what's designed for you and you know what's designed for you and you know your limitations and you know when you're pushing your limits and you know when you're not know yourself and, and know your personnel is also knowing yourself kendrick perkins better not be out there shooting three pointers oh, man. even though kendrick perkins was out there <laughs> shooting three pointers <laughs> <laughs> dog straight up straight up though like I, yeah that's Y'all, y'all get what we saying. Y'all get what we saying. But either way, man, not you know, I don't I don't mind being repetitive. But remember, subscribe. It's specifically on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud for sure. Make sure you're leaving comments. If you got feedback, leave feedback. Negative or positive doesn't matter. We're not we're not we're not afraid of constructive criticism. Uh, and if you if you guys out there if you have a chance, go check out the movie Tenant. It's a great movie. Um, I wasn't gonna talk about it today because I didn't. I, I wouldn't be able to talk about it with no spoilers. But either way, it's always good to be back. No Boundary Studios. And with that being said, this has been the No Boundaries Podcast. Thank you for listening. But ever since the dawn of civilization, people have craved for an understanding of the underlying order of the world. There ought to be something very special about the boundary conditions of the universe. And what can be more special than that there is no boundary?